while we thought about how to start this new year and uh, set a tone with the sermon series that we've selected to begin with. And after we thought about a variety of things, we decided to focus on the fruits of the Spirit as they're described in Paul's letter to the Galatians. Because our faith life together and our faith life in and with our families at home depend on our bearing the fruit that comes from true spirituality in our lives. Our key verse is found in Galatians 2, 22, 23. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, there is no law against such things. Nine in that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If that's not enough for you, you can become a Catholic because they have 12 fruits of the Spirit. These nine mentioned by the Apostle Paul are significant because they are such quiet gifts. Now, the first three, peace, love, and joy, or rather love, joy, and peace, are three of the themes of our Advent series of sermons. So we've done them already. (laughs) But we're going to do them again. And we're going to look at them in a little different way because the focus in Advent is the miraculous birth of Christ and the effect that has on our love, joy, and peace. But our focus is here on the fact that these are fruit of the Spirit. They're the natural fruit of a truly spiritual life. There's an important contrast implied in this verse. If you notice, it begins with, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is, and then the nine are listed. But if we look at the previous verses, we'll find out what's being contrasted. So back in verse 19, we read that the works of the flesh are obvious, Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, evil, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Is that about 15, I think? (laughs) So there's more evil than good. But the contrast is that the fruit of the Spirit is a natural growth from our Christian lives. Whereas the fleshly elements in our lives are described as works. What is the implication of that? That if we are truly born again, if we are born from above, we have the new life in us and it is natural for us to do the things that are the fruit of the Spirit. And it is unnatural for us to do the fleshly things 
and we have to really work at that. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of the opposite of the way we see it. And it means that if we're really into our lives emanating the fruit of the Spirit, living out of the new person that is in us, then this fruit is a natural outgrowth, and, and, and we don't have to fake it. We don't have to pretend in our Christian lives, put on our Sunday go-to-meeting face so that we can appear to have it all together for our fellow fakers. All we have to do is live and cultivate the life that is in us to cooperate with what God is doing in us. Now, um, think about your life in the past. Think of a Christian or two or three Christians who had a particular influence on your life, helping to form the person that you are. Were they headline Christians or were they quiet Christians who lived out from the fruit of the Spirit? I think we know the answer to that. The Christian hero, the Christian ideal, the Christian shining example is not the one who has the great influence on us. Because that kind of person is just intimidating. We know we're never going to be like them, so why try? But a person who is going through the same struggles in life that we are, and they're able to cope with it, even if just barely, then we've learned that true spirituality coming from the new person is what really counts. Now, we live in a time when uh, TV and social media magnify the images of rock star Christians. And they seem to be our goal, you know. Be like that guy. And he looks like a pastor. Looks like me a few years ago. (laughs) Ideal Christian traits and become our focus. And what are ideal Christian traits based on that caricature? Ideal Christian traits are things like self-confidence, personal charisma, power, and influence. Someone who's always optimistic. Someone who's a winner, successful in life. There are three models of this that came to me as I was thinking about this. There's a historic model in the Roman Catholic Church portrayed by the saints who are canonized. Now, there are, now, there are probably somewhere around 3,000 saints that have been canonized in the history of the Catholic Church. Some of them are local and some of them are, are known throughout the world. And over the years, the uh, Pope and the Vatican has had to decide who can get this canonization because it's very important. They become symbols of the Christian life. And, and there are a lot of times 
their example is in humility and so forth. But one of the things that's emerged is there have to be at least two miracles associated with this person. So the saint can't be a saint unless their, their friends and relatives and the people in the church around them can uh, document that miracles have happened, at least two, as a result of praying to this person or of following the example of this person. That's one model, the saint model. The second model is in our pop Christian community, the signs and wonders movement that began 50 years ago and has emerged into many mega churches and, and uh, TV personalities. They, they are notable for the fact that they are accompanied by signs and wonders. Some of the signs are things like speaking in tongues or prophetic words or healings. Those are things that we notice. Those are things that make them stand out and, and that cause us to want to emulate and experience those things in our lives. But they also are an unrealistic standard of expectation. So notice that signs and wonders thing is similar to the saint miracles thing. And then the third idea I thought of, and I think it kind of stands alone because it's, uh, it's so unique to our age, and that is the prosperity gospel. As a, a Christian proves they're really a Christian by being prosperous. And I, I've always taken that as a bit of a joke, but I went online and looked at some YouTube presentations and and uh, the one that kind of gripped me was should Christians be rich and the thunderous conclusion was God wants you to be wealthy and so if you're not wealthy prosperous successful then uh, you haven't demonstrated a successful Christian life well these these examples of kind of heroic Christian models really hurt us in our journey because in trying to emulate them, we're, we're following external manifestations rather than who they really are. We're looking for a badge of God's work in people's lives, miracles, spiritual gifts, or a bank account. When we were in Massachusetts and I was trying to find out whether this pastoring thing, you know, a lot of times pastors, when they start out, fake it. I mean, they know these things. If I make a, uh, if, if I lead my first funeral service, I'm an expert on funerals. I've, I've never had anybody die in my life. And so I'm out there. You know, well, one of the things was I'm supposed to lead people to Christ and and, and see them grow in their lives. And what happened to me, I think it was the first year of ministry, Billy Graham came to Boston. And as a real result of that one day, we got a follow-up card as a local church of someone who went forward, actually a young couple, um, Dave and Carol Gardner, went forward. And so I went to visit their home as a follow-up. And I got myself... Um, well, first of all, Dave and Carol were both 
black leather jacket, motorcycle, borderline thugs. <laughs> and that was their world. I mean, Dave raced motorcycles up and down the East Coast and literally wore a black leather jacket all the time. Carol, now that she was a new mother, was beginning to get a little more careful, but her problem went into the bottle. and She was an alcoholic. And I worked with them for a long time to see the drama of change take place in their lives. And they are beautiful success stories in the long run. But there was one time when Dave came to see me, and we were all marveling at the growth he had manifested. And we were entrusting him with leadership in the church. And, uh, and he came to me and he said he was kind of uncomfortable because he felt this Christian life, he was trying to be serious about it, and he was, he was watching other people and see how Christians behave and what the values are in Christianity. And he said, I think I've been pinning on fruits onto my tree. I'll never forget that he told me that. That tree image was in his mind. And he knew he was supposed to have fruit, but he was pinning the fruit on because it was expected of him. But no, that's, that's not the way true fruit comes. And we had, it was really a come to Jesus moment, another one, that helped him with the next step of his journey. True Christian fruit doesn't jump out and, and smack you in the face in the life of another person. In fact, the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit are almost unnoticeable. They are quiet, but they are genuine. There's nothing about them that would jump out and that would cause you to say, oh, I get it, this guy's a Christian. That's, that's, not, that's not, not the nature of these fruits. No flashing lights. None of them are specifically or uniquely Christian. Go over that list and look at it. None of them does a Christian have a corner on. Other people have these qualities. Why does Paul select them as the fruit of the Spirit? Well, because when you're a Christian, these are the things that begin taking over your life. And it happens sometimes quietly, sometimes over a long period of time. But really, that's what counts. It's not what you pin on. It's not what you do because you think that's an evidence that other Christians will buy or that you think this is what will attract other people to Christ. Now, they, they can see through the phoniness. Christians sometimes don't see through it, but non-Christians do. The quiet work of the Spirit. If we know that spiritual growth has to do with these fruits and is a natural thing, we don't have to work at. It's so liber liberating. So you can be, be free of the struggle to make it happen. A tree doesn't struggle to bear fruit. Now, 
there are things that can limit the fruit bearing. And the natural health can be stunted by different interference. And the interference in our case is our old nature, which was, hasn't really died. And if we cultivate that, and we have to work at it, remember? The works of the flesh are done. We don't innocently fall into those things. We make choices. But when you feel the natural growth, the natural instinct to love, joy, peace, to express gentleness instead of, instead of anger and all of these qualities, when you feel that happen, you have the opportunity to encourage it, the opportunity to cultivate it, and the opportunity to be in an environment where that spiritual growth is enhanced. So let's read a few New Testament scriptures that tells how you can become a partner of the cultivation of the natural fruit in your Christian life. First, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed from within by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed from within. And if we understand that this is the work of the Holy Spirit, we will not try to stretch toward a goal, but we will build from a reality. That's quite different. Stretching toward a goal is always frustrating. But building from the reality of spiritual life in you can be a wonderful and rewarding growth experience. And then turn to Galatians 6.9. Paul, later in the book where he talks about the fruit, he returns to the subject and he says, So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. See, these fruits of the Spirit, when we start expressing them naturally in our Christian life, they don't always pay off right away. If you manifest these genuine fruit qualities, then people take advantage of you. People, people can walk over you. People can disrespect you. But do not grow weary in well-doing because you... Uh, We'll har in the harvest time you will reap if you do not give up. And then in John chapter 15, I'm going to read the passage where uh, John, John the Baptist, uh, this is where, um, uh, where Jesus rather talks about the pruning. I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. And he goes on to describe this, this process in our Christian lives. So we have to be patient. We have to let the true fruit emerge and not try to fake it with phony fruit. We need to be patient with one another. Then in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, 
It says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you have heard of this, you have heard of this hope before in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you just as it is in the bearing fruit and excuse me, just as it, as in the bearing fruit and growing of the whole, in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the gift of God. What he's saying here is that Paul is telling the Colossian church, you've heard about this process of fruit bearing from the Jerusalem church and from the church in Antioch. It's going to happen among you too, but let it happen. The fruit will come from the work of the Holy Spirit. The process is natural. The process is spontaneous. But you can help with the process by getting into step with this spirit-driven effect of your spiritual life. Like a farmer, watering, weeding, cultivating. And then, finally, in Luke chapter 2, John the Baptist said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits worthy of repentance. I think that's an interesting phrase. That's where it begins. He didn't say bear fruits worthy of celebration. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Our early fruit bearing has to do a lot with humility, with recognizing the failures in our old life and the fact that we need to repent and repent. And that can be fertilizer to lead to fruit bearing. And uh, the people around him said, We're, we have Abraham as our ancestor. That's it in, uh, yeah, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. That's pride, that's boasting. Don't talk about your spiritual pedigree. And the crowd said, then what should we do? This is down in verse 10. What should we do? And the answer is a, little, a bunch of little steps that have to do with your personal life. You can read that and see what the prescription is. It truly repent. Any human can show traits these traits, unlike the miracles and healings and tongues and bells and whistles and prosperity, any simple Christian can show the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, Judy told me I needed to wear a tie because this didn't get ironed under here. So, <laughs> so I picked out a tie that has the serenity prayer on it. That's so commonly used in Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs. The prayer of St. Francis, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And also in the program, one day at a time, that's all we can do. Just focus on the fruit the Spirit is bringing into your life. So these weeks, you're not going to hear anything stupendous. You want that? I can give you another church's address. 
you're going to hear quiet encouragement to focus on the reality of the work the Holy Spirit is doing in you. For the next nine weeks, we'll be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. God bless you in your own lives. Lord, thank you that this is your work in us, that you promise to do it continually. And just roll over us when we get stubborn or resistant, Lord, please, because we are nothing without the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And help us to express these fruits beginning right here in our fellowship with one another. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.